0: Fox News alert millions of American families. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for CBN News I'm George Thomas. We begin with the latest
1: warning here at St. John's Hospital, There are certainly a lot of headwaters here at the LAPD. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for CBN News Watch. I'm George Thomas. We begin with the latest
0: in the coronavirus pandemic. That's one of the COVID-19 cases here in the U.S. I am joined by Clint of Liberty Lockdown Podcast. How are you doing today, Clint?
1: I'm good, Jacob. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, of
0: course. Honestly, it was a pleasure to uh, get you on. Um, I think uh, Dave Smith said it recently that you've actually become one of the uh, foremost voices in the liberty movement, and I, w- I would have to agree with that. Um, yeah,
1: very very high praise coming from a guy that I basically idolize. So, yeah, uh, right? Yeah, I. Believe me, I, I listened to that 10, 15 times. I was like the, one of the most <laughs> important voices in the Liberty Movement. I was like, Jesus Christ, what what high praise, man. But uh, he's a great guy and and a great speaker and a, a better person. So it's uh, I feel honored to be looked at in that way.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I've been listening to your podcast uh, long before I even wanted to uh, get into podcasting. Oh, awesome. Um, Yeah. So it it was actually really cool to uh, be able to get you on. So uh, let's, let's start. Uh, What, what really led you uh, to the Liberty movement itself? Like what was your aha moment? I
1: I didn't have one. Uh, I was, I was taught as a kid about um, our founding fathers. So my, my dad was a libertarian back in the 1970s. And when I was born in the eighties, he just indoctrinated me into it. So, I didn't really have an aha moment. I would say if I did have an aha moment, it would be after WMDs in Iraq and, you know, the fallout after 9-11, the TSA, uh, DHS, the entire infringement on every aspect of our liberty, as well as multiple unconstitutional wars. I mean, I don't think you can get more radicalized into liberty then when uh, when all of that transpires in your young adulthood it was it was horrific and then the lockdowns came and it was just like oh, okay well now the libertarian label is feeling a little bit shaky i may be more of an ancap at this point and that's that's kind of the arc that i was on
0: yeah it was definitely interesting watching especially the uh, national libertarian party just be silent at the start of lockdowns it was. Uh, I don't. I don't even know. It, it definitely radicalized me more. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, you know? I mean, what I think what it shows you is the same the same realization that we had about the the Republican Party years ago when they, you know, started to greenlight bills that were spending trillions of dollars. Uh, obviously, Trump having the declaration of national emergency that allowed for all the state governors to lock people down, like you don't have a real political solution to this like that's that's my honest belief um you have rhinos and you have linos you know you have libertarians in name only and and i think that we discovered that there were many in positions of power within the lnc that uh that didn't believe in liberty uh, or at least didn't believe in it in a in a way that could actually accomplish anything at all so this is why the mises caucus is here now and this is why we are you know the the radical ron paul revolution folks are taking over and not a moment too soon i mean we really we have not a moment to spare genuinely
0: right i completely agree you know i i was a little too young to uh really be a part of the first ron paul revolution i was, I sure. was too young to vote L- luckily ron paul came across my feed and you know i was still able to listen to him and so I, w- I was pretty lucky that way um, but now actually being involved with revolution 2.0 it's, uh, it's pretty exciting honestly because we' we're, we're actually getting things done. Um, people are keeping their heads down and working despite all the uh, smear campaigns.
1: Yes, yeah that that's the thing is that you know the the cancel culture nar- narrative and the environment that we exist in like if you if you value what we're about, which is like nothing less than saving human liberty on Earth right now. Uh, you can't be worried about labels. You can't be worried about what the corporate narrative is going to be about you or your your people or your movement. Uh, you have to be. You have to have a, a a guiding light in front of you that basically blocks out all distractions. And that's how I feel about it. You know, like a lot of people are concerned about. My privacy, my safety, all sorts of stuff. And I'm just like, look, I don't have privacy. I don't have safety right now. So who gives a shit? You know, like I'm going to risk whatever I have to, to try and salvage what little liberty I have left. And, and that's why I got involved. That's why I think that it's, it's incumbent upon anybody that sees the world the way I do to do whatever they can in their day-to-day life to actually try and remedy some of this stuff that is tearing us apart. And I know it sounds blackpilling, but I I don't, I don't take it that way. I don't take it as like, this is a reason for pessimism. Like you can look at all of the problems that exist on earth right now and conclude it's hopeless, or you can conclude that it's vital, that you have no choice, that you have to be involved, that you have to speak out, that you have to tell the truth. And that's where I'm at with it.
0: Yeah. I, I would have to agree. I mean, that's the whole reason I got involved uh, for a long time, I you know was a, a a little l, I guess, you know i I wasn't involved um, with the party or I voted libertarian. was um, I, I was, I was a, the exact same man yep. you know and uh, yeah, the the course that I see everything going down, I just see it getting worse and worse. and I see nobody else standing up to do anything and it's like okay, well, you know, Courage is courage, or uh, courage is contagious. So, right, uh, one person will stand up, and a few more will, and then a few more, and a few more. So, that's kind of where I got.
1: Exactly, and and I feel honored to have because I am a little older than you that I was able to witness the Ron Paul Revolution firsthand, and then now to be you know one of the spokespeople for Ron Paul 2.0, you know, and and I I view Dave as that. So. Uh, The fact that I get to be involved and help guide this thing uh, means the world to me. Uh, It's really it is the, uh, the honor of my lifetime to be in this movement at this moment when it matters most. And I am just grateful every day that I get to get up and do things like this, you know, that I get to get up and talk to people like you that are seeing the severity of the situation similarly and are responding in kind. You know, like that's that's what we need. And I think anything less is failing, not just yourself, but it's failing your progeny, your family. Um, yeah. It's the weight of it is, is huge, um, but the weight of tyranny is heavier. So you might as well just launch in, man.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't want to be caught on the sidelines, not doing anything. And uh, people ask me, well, what did you do? You know? And it's like Exactly. I, I want to actually be able to say that I tried, so at exactly. the very least. Uh, yeah, if
1: there's, if you're, if you're lucky enough to have grandkids one day, do you, do you want to look to them in the gulag yeah. and say, Grandpa had an opportunity to stand up and talk out and speak out about all of the insanity that was transpiring when he was a young man, and he didn't do shit, and that's yeah. why, <laughs> that's why we're in prison right now. It's like, no, I'm not going to be that guy. Like, it, yeah. maybe I'll end up in the prison with my grandkid, but. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a story to tell him if we're allowed to talk, you know.
0: <laughs> you know what? Well, I, I read a an article the other day. Uh, I'll I'll have to find it and send it to you. It's pretty funny. Uh, somebody was pointing out that this generation doesn't have the work ethic to build the gulags for their utopia. <laughs> yeah, like, well, that's yeah.
1: that's largely true. Um, unfortunately, they they find ways because they're able to print money. They can get people to do stuff. So. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't bank on work work the lack of work ethics saving us.
0: Yeah, well those those people uh uh that are screeching or rein at everyone are uh definitely gonna be some of the first victims to end up in these places. So oh you know, yeah the use the useful idiots that happens in every regime.
1: That that'll be the only silver lining in all this is that the people that thought that being quiet and playing along with the woke games would save them. Well, they'll be they'll be right there with us. So, uh, I honestly though I'm not I'm not planning on seeing that future. Like, yeah, uh, my, me either. <laughs> my entire goal with what I'm doing is to make sure that that doesn't come to pass. And maybe I'm delusional. I don't care, you know. Like, I, right. I'm gonna I'm gonna do everything in my power. And if that's enough, then great. And if it's not enough, well, you know, I gave it I gave it my absolute best. I'm I am pouring my heart, my soul into this, and. And I will not stop. So, that's that's all there is to it. We'll see. We'll let the chips fall where they may.
0: So, one question I wanted to ask it's a simple question, but I always I always like getting everyone's individual opinion. Why is liberty so important? Why does it matter so much?
1: Uh, I mean, for me personally, it was just I didn't like to be controlled. I didn't like to be told what to do as a young kid. I, I didn't like teachers and uh, even parental guidance to a large extent. I was just very rebellious from a young age. So for me, it's just about having the choice to do what I I see as best. And ultimately, as an individualist, I think that everybody making their own personal decision for their own best interest, or at least their perceived best interest, creates the best society. And so like, even though... My entire philosophy is based around the individual. If you enable and empower the individual to pursue what they're passionate about, you create a world and a collective that is far more beautiful than anything that the central planners can concoct. So that's why I believe in it so strongly. I think that's why the American experiment was so successful and also created the greatest empire and the largest government in the his- <laughs> in all of human history. So it's a it's a double-edged sword, of course, uh, but I think that the the starting place for human flourishing is liberty, and if that's not enough to get you motivated, I don't know what is. You know, like that's that's everything to me.
0: Yeah, I I can agree. I mean, I I never understood the idea of how I could make a better choice for your life than you could. I I've never yeah. understood that.
1: I mean, there's certainly there's certainly circumstances with like drug addiction and things like that where it might be the case. But I think by and large, 95 percent of people, you know, making their own decision based off of their own perception of the world ultimately creates a better environment for, you know, the economy, uh, culture, everything. And to me, there's just no debate. You know, it's like you can look at all the countries that have tried. Uh, collectivist uh, central planning type models. And you can compare and contrast that to any, any nations that tried to give their people the capacity to make their own decisions and which ones, which ones dominate, you know, which ones do the best. And ultimately it's unsustainable to have central planners that are trying to make all this happen. and, And we know that for a fact, so I don't even understand why it's a debate. I don't, I don't understand how people that value their own personal bodily autonomy on the left, uh, don't see that ultimately their, their belief in a large governmental structure, uh, will injure that, you know, it'll eventually do away with it entirely. And I think a lot of people on the left are waking up to that and I'm grateful for it. It's about damn time.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. Um, you've actually been going around to some of the conventions, uh, for the LP, um, how have those been going? Are, are they ultimately a white pill or are we actually getting things done?
1: Oh yeah. It's a huge white pill. Um, <clears throat> I've only been to one in person so far at the LP Florida convention. I I also spoke to the Minnesota Mises caucus convention via zoom yesterday. And that went really well. Uh, it's a huge white pill, man. In Florida, we had, I don't know, 150 people, maybe. Um, Dave and I got to do a panel together, which was a, a real bucket list moment for myself. And afterwards, I got voted to be a national delegate uh, out of the state of Florida uh, in Reno to be able to decide on who the chair, co-chair, other things like that uh, will be at national in Reno in May or June or whenever. So, uh, But the, the real white pill is just meeting the people and, you know, I remember when I, I looked into the Libertarian Party back in the, you know, after 9-11 in the early, mid-2000s. And honestly, like, I didn't relate to the people that were involved. Like, they, they were kind of hippie-ish, kind of leftist leaning. And not that I have any problem with people like that. I think they're great, too. But they weren't like me, you know. They weren't yeah. um, just interested in, like, capitalism, free markets, peace, prosperity, like, they, they had their own worldview that was a little, a little bit different from mine. I don't feel like that's the case anymore. I mean, the people that were at the Florida convention are extremely similar to me. And they view the situation almost identically. Um, they're very motivated. They're very positive, even though we all see the, the world as kind <laughs> of falling apart. Uh, and afterwards, we had a, a, a very spirited debate about whether or not we would put Florida secession on the platform for florida and it ended up passing i got to get up and give a couple minute you know rant about why i thought it was valuable and and it was just an amazing experience when that when that passed uh and everyone cheered it was like all right we are doing something now you know the the days of milk toast garbage messaging are done <laughs> like we we are going for it and and i'm thrilled that I, i'm going to be doing uh connecticut and ohio and uh, and Texas and possibly Massachusetts, you know, I'm going to be doing a, a bunch of these state conventions in person, giving 30 minute speeches where I just get to go off and, and really try and fire people up. And I think that it's going to be uh, probably some of the best, best experiences of my life. So I'm, I'm very grateful and looking forward to
0: it. So mo- most of my audience is actually non-libertarian um, from what I've been able to gather. And uh, do do you want to give a just a rundown of what the Mises Caucus is and like the whole sure. goal behind the movement?
1: Well, if they're if they're at all familiar with Ron Paul, the way I, I view the Mises Caucus is that it's just Ron Paul and all of his acolytes that are now carrying on his legacy. Um, if they're not familiar with Ron Paul, <clears throat> basically it's just uh, it's about free market capitalism, not this crony capitalism that we exist under currently. Uh, it's about being anti interventionist and trying to avoid war at all costs. Uh, it has some aspects of social conservatism, but not in terms of like governmental laws. It's just more of a cultural vibe where many of them are more religious leaning, but not, not all of them. I mean, I'd say maybe 50 50. Um, so, yeah, it's the Mises Caucus is uh, Michael Heiss and Dave Smith kind of brought it to prominence. Uh, but that's really all it is. It's just it's just the Ron Paul Revolution 2.0. That's that's to me, it's it's as simple as that.
0: So that the the emergence of the Mises Caucus is actually why I ended up getting involved in the LP at all. Um, yeah, that, me that, too. that was <laughs> yeah, right. That, that's what I've, I've heard from most people. Um, what do you say to the, the people the, the anti Mises people? Um obviously, the, it seems to be a minority um, within the LP. Well, um, it wasn't,
1: but it is now. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. so I mean, what what do you say to those people now?
1: Well, if they I mean, if they're anti, I think that they may be on the wrong side of history. I don't think that they actually will will get along with us very well. but if they're just skeptics of the Mises caucus, Um, I would encourage you to listen to me, you know, listen to, to my show Liberty Lockdown or listen to Dave, listen to uh, what we're actually saying. Don't listen to the narratives about us. And if, if, if you hated Ron Paul, yeah, you'll probably hate me. I don't know many libertarians that I, you know, consider real libertarians that hated Ron Paul. So I don't, I don't understand the, uh, the hate. I think that it's a total mistake. If your priority is, you know, identitarianism and racial grievances and things like that, uh, that's not our priority. You know, it's not that we're racist at all. It's just that human liberty affects all of us. So dividing us by our skin color is anathema. It's, it's completely counter to what our belief system is, and, and it just seems as if it's a waste of time to focus on it. So that's, that's the main reason that there are anti-people in the Libertarian Party, is that they really, really focus on you know, big bigotry and racism and that being the most important thing in our lifetimes. And I I just couldn't disagree more, you know, like, yes, racism is awful, but comparing that to state power and the tyranny that we're experiencing, the the death of the dollar, um, the death of the empire of the United States, like all of these things are so much bigger. The death of human liberty, the fact that we can't speak freely, the fact that they'll censor us everywhere we go, uh, the fact that they're Infringing on 2A very aggressively. I mean, if you if you see all of that and you conclude racism is the biggest problem in the world today, like I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Like I just like (laughs) I I don't I don't know what what you're seeing in the world that makes you feel that way. Um, But I hope I hope you see the light before it's too late.
0: Well, and at least the way I understand it is liberty in in its true form is actually going to promote true diversity of course i mean uh, allowing people to be who they are without the threat of government force coercion uh the threat of fraud it's it's going to allow for the things that a lot of these people are calling for in the first place but to naturally happen and it's not going to be forced like we see a lot coming through hollywood uh, or you know, diversity hires, uh, diversity quotas, and all these things, and that's all forced, and it seems fake and disingenuous.
1: It is. That's the whole. That's the whole issue with it is that there's no authenticity to their efforts to diversify. Like, even if you see uh, these these remakes of movies where they they convert the person from you know a man to a woman or white to black or whatever, um, you always come away feeling as if well, this is. Obviously, not about you know actual inclusion of all people. This is just like it's so forced, it's it's ugly, it's disingenuous, it makes you feel bad for the people that got those roles. You're like, (laughs) you're like, don't you want to get the job because you're the best at it? I mean, ultimately, I believe in meritocracy. I think it's tragic if someone gets you know turned down their job because of their skin color, because they're you know, even though they're the best candidate available, you know, I think that's, that's wrong, but in a true free market where ultimately you are trying to make the most money possible, um, or reach the most people possible, you wouldn't have this issue. So if we were to strike at the heart of this, which is ESG, which is environmental social governance, where they're trying to get CEOs to do the bidding of woke nutcases, uh, you could probably remedy most of this and and actually do it in a way that's authentic, that is, is inclusionary, uh, but for the right reasons, that the, the person, regardless of how they look or their upbringing, is the best person for the job. And that's my belief system. I thought that was a very progressive way of viewing the world, yeah. honestly, and now I am looked at as you know some regressive for it. and I just I'm not going to go along with it. I think it's, I think it's nonsense.
0: Yeah, it's, you know, I always look at the city that I live in and, you know, it's on on the freedom index, it's probably not the highest, you know, it's, it's no free state or anything, but, you know, people here actually have the ability to be who they are. And we, we have a very diverse city and it's, it's just interesting when you can see things that are forced versus natural diversity of thought and opinion. And lifestyle. Right. And it usually comes together in a very beautiful way when it's, uh, when it's just natural and it, exactly. it's just, it's effortless, you know, there, there's no force behind it. And it's one of the most beautiful things is seeing that actually play out in real life. And it didn't come at the, uh, at the barrel of a gun.
1: Well, this is the truly tragic nature of this is that when, when inclusion is forced, it creates resentment. It creates the very human response that you're trying to snuff out, which is racism. And and that is not the world I want to live in. I don't want to live in a world where white people are turned away from job opportunities because of their skin color, which then breeds resentment within them. You know, I, I don't want to see that. I, I like it when you know it's regardless of how you look, if you are the best for the job, you get it. Because if if that's the case. Sure, you may have some resentment, but the resentment isn't going to be based off of the person who got the job skin color, you know, and that's we're basically starting the cycle over. Like, I don't know. I feel yeah. like I'm crazy and I, that I'm the only person that sees this is that if you start to exclude people based off their skin color, even if they're white, you're going to create the very natural human response of resentment. And and oftentimes that resentment will fester and and ultimately arise in the form of racism. I don't want to see that at all. Like that, we were making so much progress when I was uh, a young, you know, when I was a kid, when I was a young man, it really felt as if, you know, I was friends with people of all different walks of life. And none of us, I mean, if we if we even identified the differences amongst us, it was to joke about it. It was yeah. to, to, you know, clown around. And I think that that's a much better way to live, you know, to, to be able to talk openly and joke about our differences. Um, that brings people together. When you're afraid of discussing it, It divides people and it and it makes it so that people are afraid to to be around people that don't look like themselves i have no interest in going back to that way of of looking at the world and the fact that the quote-unquote woke inclusionary class are the ones that are bringing this about is both predictable and tragic and i i pray that we turn around soon
0: yeah it's so so let me get this straight you're telling me segregated graduations are probably not the best idea (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes that's exactly what i said <laughs> oh man when i when i first saw the news of some of these things uh, you know segregated dorms and and for the people calling for it as if that is you know it's like they're making the choice this time so it's somehow virtuous right is i i, I don't know where the disconnect. Uh, intellectually is there you know that the cognitive dissidence is so strong
1: I don't know either man i I don't either it's it's just it is regressive by its very nature I mean it, it just is and while I'm not a progressive I mean in the, in the true definition of the term it's regressive we are we are regressing towards a divided populace and you know maybe that's maybe that's the natural arc of human history I don't know um, but it seems to me as if it's largely driven by by the government and and a real insidious kind of festering wound that exists in our culture that uh that if we don't if we don't go to the root of it and try and heal that it's only going to get worse and i really don't i don't have any interest in allowing that to happen like it's i don't want to be looked at as a bad person because of my skin color just yeah. the same way the same way I never wanted to look at someone else and feel like they were a bad person because of their skin color and automatically because I even talk about this some people will say ooh poor white man so so concerned the shoes on the other foot da-da-da-da-da. I just want you to reflect on that and realize that you are doing the exact same thing that they want you to that they mm-hmm. they want us to be divided and you're playing right into it and and this vengeance politics where it's like well because, Clint's great great grandfather may have had some unwoke viewpoints. It's it's about time that his his progeny pays the price. It's like this is this is nonsense. Yeah. Like what are you talking it's about? It's your
0: turn. It's your yeah. turn to go through it.
1: Yeah, and that's that is not that path leads only to darkness. And I just for everybody listening, please reconsider. If you if you think that this is ultimately healing Racial wounds in this country—you could not be further from the truth. I mean, it is—it is absolutely going to result in the thing that you think that you're helping. So, uh, reflect on that, please.
0: Yeah, it's well. It—it it, it seems like the uh, the double-edged sword of vengeance. You know, you you might get what you're seeking, but at what cost?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't think they're going to get what they're seeking. That's the problem. Is that because if they if they actually want you know equality and all this stuff that they talk about which i, I don't think they want it but you know just no. just playing along um it's not going to create that i mean you're going to create bitterness and anger and political reactionaries that that try and push the republican into some sort of you know white nationalist type movement like this stuff it, it's all a teeter-totter like and you guys have jumped on the other end of the teeter-totter so hard that when it snaps back it's going to be hideous and as i've said I am all about, you know, per, like forgiveness. Like I, I, I want, I want to let the, the wounds of our past when it comes to racial inequality and the treatment of people based off of, you know, religion or skin color to heal. I do not want to, you know, via vengeance for those past ills create them on the other side. And now, and now we're just going back and forth. And I mean, this is, that's how you end up in, in wars. That's how you could potentially end up in race wars and things like that. I mean, if anyone wants that, like, what are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> it's just seriously it just seems crazy.
0: You know, I, I've gotten to the point just reading through history that uh, I'm pretty sure that the woke movement as we know it is a uh, marketing campaign. Um, I and, think it's
1: a Marxist marketing campaign, but yes. yeah.
0: Yeah. M- well, most definitely. I mean, so there was uh, I'm not sure if you know who Edward Bernays is. Yeah. And uh, his uh, freedom of torches that he promoted at uh, the women's suffragette movement because it was, at the time, bad for women to smoke in public, and I, I just thought that was genius—freedom of uh, or torches of freedom—and oh well, wow, I, yeah. I I
1: did not I I now that you say it I remember that story but I, yeah. I had forgotten it,
0: and and so, you know, you you see, during that's where, particular... he, that's
1: where he market he marketed cigarettes to the suffragettes right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. And of course, like from a marketing campaign, that's just genius. Like you, you play on these social, uh, these, uh, social justice, uh, concerns, these movements, but you turned into a marketing campaign. Uh, I, I think that's why you see all of these, uh, massive corporations go woke, you know, during the month of June for pride. And it, it's like. You, you can't tell me you really think these massive corporations actually care about any of this. you You can't. Like I, I don't believe one second of this.
1: I, I agree. I mean, but it's it's actually more nefarious than that because it's not just a marketing campaign. It's also via ESG, which is environmental social governance, which was created by the UN, which was then propagated by the World Economic Forum. They and now BlackRock and Larry Fink and all these big CEOs, um, have implemented ESG into their their corporate guidance in terms of whether or not they'll invest in your corporation. So even if this marketing ploy is not profitable, they are still essentially coercing corporations to go along with it uh, because if they don't, they will not be able to get funding. They will not be able to get their stocks bought by the you know BlackRock that has over ten trillion dollars under management. That yeah. is a that is a huge lever for control. And until people understand that, they don't really understand why these corporations are doing things that ultimately appear to damage their bottom line. And this is this is like the skeleton key that I discovered a couple months ago when I finally realized how it was happening. And that's, that's the how. I mean, it is ESG, and that is the mechanism yeah. for coer- coercing these CEOs that, as you said, are not really woke people into acting as if they are extraordinarily woke to the point of destroying their own businesses. Um, So we have to remedy that. I mean, we have to find a way to make some sort of countervailing mechanism for uh, assessing businesses, you know, uh, instead of ESG, make it, uh, you know, LLF something, you know, liberty and freedom metric, where we get to measure if they're actually supporting uh, our human rights in terms of speech and things like that. Uh, I think that that's, that's probably the next frontier but people aren't really ready to talk about it because they're just wrapping their head around the old problem
0: yeah it's I don't, I don't know I see a lot of promise in uh, in algorithm working outside some of these systems um, sure. build building our own systems because if I, I just I don't see how we could peacefully act with inside some of these systems that are rigged to not act peacefully
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you, man. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good friends with Jeremy Kaufman now, who's the you know creator of, I forget the underlying technology, but odyssey, which is a competitor to YouTube, essentially a decentralized technology. I mean, that these are the, the types of things that we need desperately. And I'm so grateful to know him. And I'm so grateful that he's given us that, you know, that, that incredible blessing to have, have an option. Um, so yeah, we're, We're we're doing it. I mean, we're working our way in that direction, but it's just like it's a race, man. It's a race to to start to use these technologies and and get off of the old. And at this point, you know, the the old guard still has the most eyeballs and ears and and you know, we have to play the game to some extent. But I think it's really important that you you step, you know, you keep one foot in the new the new tech, the decentralized tech, so that you can help propel that and ultimately collapse the old guard.
0: Well, and that's, that, that's one reason why I still vote is because uh, do I really think that voting, um, at least on a national level is really going to change anything? No, but it is on paper that I'm not going with the legacy parties. Right. And that's, that's what matters. So uh, I think no matter what, I'm not going to give that up.
1: Yeah. I, I hate it when, the, the anarchists that say, you know, if you vote, you condone everything that's happening. It's like, OK, well, I have voted against every single politician that has ruled over me my entire life. Can you co- can you possibly say that I am I am responsible for what's <laughs> happening when I have voted against them? like yeah. No, it's it's obviously nonsense. So um, I don't care if you vote. You don't have to. But I just think it's really weird when you get mad at people who are voting for you know, Ron Paul, or if we're blessed enough to have an opportunity to vote for Dave Smith. Like, I think you're crazy if you don't vote for him. Like, yeah. give it a shot, at least. Like, let the world know that that people that are espousing these ideas have support. You know, we may not be highly visible because we're suppressed on the YouTube algorithm, and we're suppressed on Twitter, and we're suppressed everywhere else, but we exist, and they can't hide that. I mean, no. maybe they can't eventually, but um, at this point, I think they're still counting the libertarian votes because we're not a threat and so <laughs> you, you might as well cast it. I'm not saying you have to vote for some milk toast garbage libertarian, but if you get a real a real opportunity to vote for someone who really represents your values, you might as well. <laughs> I mean, that's that's my perspective on well, it. Well,
0: well it's a it's the idea of redundancies, right? Like why why give up one weapon, you know? It might not sure. be a good yeah. weapon. It might be an outdated weapon, but we still got a weapon, so there, there's no reason not to uh, be able to use it and have it. And, yeah, like
1: uh, like if you if you only have a knife and you're in a gunfight, are you going to throw the knife down? Or are you going yeah. <laughs> to <laughs> at least try and, and pretend as if you're a danger? It's like, yeah, I mean, I'm going to try.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, this is going to end badly, but I'm not giving it up. So, yeah, it's it's never made sense to me either because uh, uh, I, I get a lot of blowback that occasionally too it's I, i've even gotten blowback from uh being involved in the the lp in general and it's like uh oh, you know sure. i'm i'm chair of my county affiliate and uh you know i'm aiming to be a delegate for national and nice. you know being involved I'll, with I'll the in Reno, and, oh yeah i'll i'll definitely be down there me and the wife will be so yeah it will be it'll be fun you know it, it's gonna be uh Hopefully only a uh, voting battleground, you know. So. Yeah, I
1: hope so too. Jesus Christ. If it if it gets crazy, that'd be tragic. But I don't think it will. I I'll tell you, I have a lot of haters and everywhere I go I get you know hugs and handshakes and you know nice to meet you. So I, I think it's all overblown, it's all Twitter yeah. Twitter worry or nonsense. I don't think any of these people are, are actually on that level. And I'm glad. Because I'm not on yeah. that level. Like I don't I don't view these people as my enemy. Like my enemy is the state. You know, my enemy exactly. is what the people that are actually have power over me. And y'all don't have power over me just like I don't have power over you. <laughs> so just relax.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, that's that's been my attitude towards this whole thing is like, look, we we need to work together. Um, because this is what they want. They want the uh classic divide and conquer. It's yep. like the the oldest maneuver in human history. How can you not see this? And, uh,
1: I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how they can't see it.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's, you know, obviously I don't want anyone to leave the party. I, I want this party to grow. Right. Um, so, so as I see, you know, from some of the convention coverage, some of these people quitting the party or resigning their positions and it's like, why? Like, I, I, I mean, if you I, feel that I view, strongly go, but
1: yeah, no, I, I view it a little differently. I mean, if you're if you're just someone who prioritizes things differently and, but ultimately is a libertarian, I agree with you. I I have no interest in seeing them go. The people that are, you know, there are anti-capitalist people. There are anti-free market people. There are, there are, you know, pro sanctions people. There are pro war people. Like I don't have any problem with those people leaving. I'm just being totally honest. Like those, those are core libertarian values that I think that, you know, if you don't see, the world that way, this probably isn't the party for you. Um I think that's a very small minority of the people that are in the LP. And, you know, if I'd be happy to have an open dialogue with you. Again, I'm not like I'm not forcing you out. I'm not, I'm not begging you to leave. I'm just saying I hope you will reconsider those perceptions or those views if you're if you're going to be involved with this moving forward, because we don't have like an opportunity, we don't have enough time to deal with people that don't see this problem as clearly as many of us do. Um, and it's not, I'm not trying to like, I'm not even trying to degrade these people. I'm not trying to make yeah. them feel bad. It's just that.
0: Just the be prob- better libertarians.
1: <laughs> yeah. The problem is bigger than that. So.
0: So how, how do you see uh, a lot of the uh, propaganda uh, going along with Russia and Ukraine right now? Um, cause, oh, cause I, I know it's, pretty divided, Um, you know, I I waited just a minute to be able to form my opinion to see what was going on. Sure. Um, Good idea. You know, it it was, uh, it seemed cruel. Obviously, I'm um, anti-war, anti-invasion, but I'm, I'm also not uh, too keen on supporting uh, a country who out of nowhere, the entire establishment supports just why?
1: Well, yeah. And if you know, the history of this—I mean, what Victoria Newland did in two thousand fourteen, um, working for the State Department and essentially cooing the the guy in power and and creating much of this situation that we are experiencing today—the U.S. government's been involved with this for a very long time. I mean, at least decades. So, I I just think that it's a mistake to believe that there's a real good guy in this fight, at least on the governmental level. Um, obviously, I feel awful for the. The you know private individuals that are caught up amongst these warring powers, uh, these warring governments, uh, it's terrible. It's tragic. I mean, war is hell, and I am anti-war, so <laughs> like it, it's obvious where my position is in that regard. But in terms of you know American involvement, that is that is where I am voicing my opposition uh, because there, it doesn't really matter, you know, what happens over there from the American perspective unless America gets involved with this war and world war III starts and that should be a you know a, a siren call to all true libertarians in America that like yes is the russia ukraine war bad yes is world war 3 worse Obviously, <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> I, I don't I don't know why I have to even make this argument, but apparently the propaganda works well enough that even some libertarians get shook that they, they go, oh, I have to stand with Ukraine and all this nonsense. It's like, look, you could stand with the people of Ukraine. You can stand with the people of Russia. I get it. Um, but just realize that you're being played. You know, you are being yeah. used to try and lend support to the military industrial complex that exists in the United States to start World War Three. And I will not do that. I will absolutely work tirelessly to make sure that doesn't happen because nuclear conflict is not something we walk back from. I mean, it, yeah. is, it is an end game that we must avoid at all costs. And any person that's claiming to be a libertarian that isn't making that their priority in this moment, I think is a fraud or so ignorant to what they're doing, uh, they are a danger to all of human existence. So that's a serious... I- uh, it's a serious claim to make, but I, I believe it strongly.
0: You know, I, I have really serious concern um, here, here in the, the state of Utah. Um, obviously, you know, there was a, um, a rally behind Ukraine and everything, which, okay, fine. Um, my concern started coming in when uh, we started flying the Ukrainian flag from our state capital. And I, I was like, oh, okay, this this is a whole different level. And then you've got, uh, you know, you've got that level, all the way down to you know protests happening, and then all the way up to uh, you know the 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 Don Hillary Clinton herself supporting mm-hmm. Ukraine. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you don't see the connection there. Um, th- there was actually a man. Uh, cause we, we have just had a, uh, a house bill go through, uh, to, to block vaccine passports here in the state. Um, I don't know that that's a different discussion. However, uh, the, the man had worn a Betsy Ross flag hat and a t-shirt that said, we, we, the people. Hmm. And while the security in the uh, house chambers, um, wore Ukrainian Pro-Ukrainian garb. uh, That man was actually removed from the House Chambers, and I just thought, "Wow, this is this is too much. We're flying the flag. We can't even wear pro-America stuff inside the House Chambers. Uh, This is really concerning at this point."
1: Yeah. Well, and you know, I'm not a big nationalist patriot type person, but me either. uh, But I am far more concerned about globalism than I am nationalism, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. like, cause glo- like, you know that's basically what we're dealing with is like a, a communal fascist uh, organization. Like they, they believe in technocracy, the, the combination of big business and big government, but global government. So it is, it, it you know, fascism used to have this aspect of nationalism to it, which is bad in its own right. Yeah. But then you take fascism and you make it global government. And it's like, Oh, well there's no escape now. Like, that's obviously worse. <laughs> just like I said, I said the Ukraine-Russian war is bad. Well, World War Three is worse. Yeah. Well, fascism is bad. fascism is worse. Uh, and I don't know why this is controversial to talk about it like that, but it's just the truth. So, um, yes, I'm very concerned about the fact that we are, we are basically all of the worst people in politics. You have Adam Kissinger and Mitch McConnell. It's a bipartisan affair of people stand with Ukraine, arm the Ukrainians, give them whatever they want, no-fly zone, all this stuff, and it's like, I don't, if you think that you're on the right side of history when you have scumbags like that talking about stuff like that, I don't know what you're paying attention to. Like, this is yeah. just, it's obviously a racket, it's obviously meant to get us into a hot conflict with Russia, and I, I'm just, any any libertarian out there, You like, we need you now more than ever. Like, as bad as lockdowns were, and as as hard as i implored everybody to speak out this is bigger than that even i mean it is bigger than lockdowns it is bigger than the covid hysteria um world war 3 is just
0: absolutely the last thing we can allow to happen <laughs> so. yeah so what what do you think was the cause because i mean it, this seems it, it pretty much came like overnight it seemed like so so we went from you know the collapse of the covid narrative and now it's all focused on Ukraine. What, right. what was the big change? Like, is the propaganda really that good? Yes. <laughs> I think it is. I,
1: I think it is. And I think that the the truth was coming out about the nature of the forced injections and medical treatment that we were receiving. And it just happened to coincide perfectly with all of this stuff. And, you know, honestly, I'm not saying that, like, Russia invaded to to cover up the COVID uh, misdeeds. I think that that probably happened because we constantly prodded them for 15 years to do this, (laughs) and and then when it happened, because I mean, perfect example is like Russia also invaded Georgia. You know, I don't know when it was, but 10 years ago or whatever, and or eight years, whatever it is, and uh, and you didn't get this kind of coverage. You didn't get calls for like world war three flippantly and nuclear deterrence and all this stuff like they are they are using this whether they created it or not intentionally or not they are using it now intentionally to obfuscate the truth about what they just put us through over the past two years i am i am very confident of that um so yeah uh, i mean you got to keep your eye on the ball like no. fauci who ruined our fucking lives for the past two years where is, is he now by the way m.i.a
0: <laughs> yeah exactly
1: he's m.i.a Um and and now you have Dr. Leanna Wen and all these scumbags that were like literally calling for you know basically the imprisonment of people that refuse the jab are now flipping and going, ah, we don't need masks on kids. Well, I never said that. Oh, we don't need masks here, we don't need forced vaccination. Sure, we shouldn't fire people like the shift, and she's she's also a world economic forum young leader, keep that in mind. Uh so yeah, it's like keep your eye on the ball. Like this is this is so transparent what they're doing to us, and and uh, I pray I pray that we can we can hold on to the the truth of the narrative and and kind of push aside this this obvious uh, psyop that we're experiencing. It's 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 crazy. It, it makes me feel crazy because yeah. I am one of the only people that sees it, but it's so obvious to me that it's like I, I just have to hold on to my sanity with the, <laughs> everything yeah, I can. Right.
0: So have, have you been paying attention to the, uh, the Pfizer documents that have been, uh, slowly coming out?
1: Sure. A little bit. I haven't read them all, but yeah, I've, I've definitely seen some reporting on it.
0: Yeah. I, I think it's kind of interesting. These same documents that Pfizer themselves wanted to wait 75 years to be able to release are now being forced to release them, you know, uh, 50,000, 60,000, 70,000 pages at a time. And there's just no coverage. Nobody's talking, yeah. you know, you've, you've got Robert Malone covering it and Peter McCullough doctors like this who uh, are being censored, but. Right.
1: All, all the people that were already blacklisted are the only ones that are still, still covering this stuff. I mean, that's, that's the issue. I mean, that, that is the whole truth of it is that they lied to us and people died. A lot of people died and, there there has to be payback for that. You know, there has to be yeah. repercussions. And and I think that they're so far they've done a very good job of distracting the American people from the truth of that and now getting them caught up in some sort of, you know, Russia scare. And I don't know, man. If if we don't if we don't have repercussions for the people that ruined our lives for the past two years, they'll do it again. I mean, it's it's that simple. Yeah. Like you these people must receive some level of punishment. I hope through the criminal justice system. Um, but if they don't, which they probably won't, well, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, you're going to have really radicalized people that had their lives ruined. You're basically, you're going to create the domestic extremists that don't even exist. You're going to create them because you've ignored their their pleas for help for years, and then you gaslit them, you called them crazy, and and now yep. you're, you're immediately shifting it to, you know, world war 3 and all this other nonsense and it's like well these people are going to be dangerous at some point. Um yeah. and I that's kind of been the job of my show was to try and bring light and bring voice to these people and and try and let them know they're not alone and they're not crazy. And it's heartbreaking to me that they're now kind of being left to the dustbin of history as we move on to the next bullshit crisis. It's tragic.
0: Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I I enjoy still talking about a lot of these things because two years that that was a lot of shit that they put everyone through for two years. immense. and i I just you know i'm I'm not too emotional of an a aga- guy of a guy, but i I started thinking of all the family businesses that had to close down and they're never coming back. and uh, yeah, get gets me a little misty eyed, you know, oh dude. Um,
1: yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. I mean, I am kind of one of those businesses. Uh, I'm not yeah. a family business. It's just me. But still, you know, I the, that's the reason I did my show is that I wanted people to know, you know, there are there are people out there like you that feel your pain, that understand what you're going through in a real in a real sense. And, you know, you're not going to get coverage like that from CNN or any of these people like they don't understand the pain. They don't understand the the struggle, the blood, sweat and tears you put into that business getting off the ground and then to have for no reason at all to have it ripped away from you mm-hmm. and then to have bailout bills to big business while you're locked down, you struggle to get any sort of governmental assistance. I mean, it is injustice by definition. And, and those people need justice. Like that's, that's what I fight for is I want those people's yeah. voices to be heard and the people that didn't listen to them and sacrifice them on the altar of science TM, uh, <laughs> I want them to pay a price, man. That's, they've got to, they just have to.
0: Yeah. The, the, we definitely need our day in court, you yep. know, because uh, what what happened was so, so incredibly wrong on so many levels. Um, I mean, if there's any justice in the world, it will happen. Um,
1: Let's hope there's some justice left in the world. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I, you, another reason I got involved with the LP though, you know, um, Sure. It might not be the best solution, but it's a solution and uh, work towards something and make sure it's peaceful. You know, that's exactly my big thing.
1: That's my whole goal, too. And I think that ultimately peaceful secession is almost certainly going to be what has to happen uh, if we're if we're to find a peaceful resolution to this, because I don't believe that the people responsible for the past two years will be held to account. And if that's the case, the only the only peaceful solution is peaceful secession. Like you have to let us go. Like if you're gonna rule over us with tyranny and treat us like we're slaves, at some point there is a breaking point. And like the the only yeah. option, if you're not gonna hold these people to account, the only option is to let us go. Um, so I don't care what it is, to be honest. Like I'm not I'm not some you know radical that that demands secession. I just I just <laughs> want. I want there to be justice. And if there is no justice, then I I have no interest in being a part of your nation. I mean, that's that's really that simple. So we'll find out, we'll find out how they want to play it.
0: I mean, I'm, I'm definitely pro succession. I mean, that, that's the, our founding father succeeded from the British government. This entire American experiment was founded on succession. Oh yeah. No, I I don't, I'm not, I'm
1: I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying, like, I would be okay with keeping the union together. If there could be serious reform and si- serious, you know, justice Agreed. being applied to these people. But because I think that's unlikely or almost, almost impossible. Um, then I think that peaceful secession is, is ultimately the best solution. I'm just saying, I, it, yeah. I'm i not like some hardliner where, well, if you were to hold these people to account, I'd still want to secede. Like I, sure. I'd probably prefer it, but I I'd be. Okay. It's like, you have, you have to hold these people to account. Yeah. But if you don't, then you have to let me go. Like that's it's an A or yeah. B
0: option. You know, I, I was and still am genuinely surprised the LGBT community uh, rallied so hard behind Fauci. I mean, he, he was responsible responsible for so many people in the LGBT community dying I know, in, I know. in the 80s, um, releasing all these... Uh, these uh, AIDS drugs knowingly hurting people. Yep. It, it just shocked me. I was just
1: blown away. I, I think this is this is the problem with uh, you know, not just the LGBT community, but just people in America in general and probably globally. They're just super indoctrinated, man. Like they 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 aren't critical thinkers, they have the memory of a goldfish, they don't remember all the injustice <laughs> that they've experienced. And, you know, granted, that was 30, 40 years ago, so many of them are. Gone, and obviously a lot of the victims of Fauci are gone, gone. Yeah.
0: Um.
1: So, it, it's tough, but you know, I I'm I'm glad that there are some people that that see it for what it is, and I just I hope that even with the suppression of people that identify these issues, um, I hope that pe- our voices are getting out there, and that people are are starting to realize like there is truth to what's happening, and it's okay to listen to it. <laughs> you know, it's okay yeah. to talk about it. It's okay to to try and keep that, that message alive. Like don't, don't allow the, uh, the cult mentality of, you know, wokeness and going along with whatever Fauci says or going along with whatever the, the politicians today say about Ukraine and Russia and how Putin is the most evil human being, you know, more evil than Hitler, which is unbelievable. Um, Uh, You know, just keep keep telling the truth. uh,
0: I I don't know about that one, you know, worse than Hitler. That's I I do know about that one. It's not true. (laughs) (laughs) that that's it's such a trope now it's i i I don't even know it's it's overplayed the you know the the children who cried wolf at this point um you know it's we're closer to uh mussolini in a lot of aspects than hitler you know sure and uh he would definitely be jealous of our system right now that's for sure
1: hell yeah i mean the the real crazy thing about our system is that while we have totalitarianism and we have incredible propaganda tools they have managed to convince the people that they're still free i mean i think a lot of people in germany didn't have any preconceived notions about them being free you know it was like like they understood what was happening to them that's the scary thing is that while we exist in a system that is inching ever closer to being as egregiously evil as some of the worst regimes in history we have the vast majority of people thinking that they're free that's crazy i mean that is that is our job is to let people know like this is not free this is not liberty um, so until we do that i don't think we're going to get any sort of populist uprising to to remedy it but uh, a lot of people are waking up and i'm not i'm not without hope it's just man i hope more people wake up and do it faster
0: yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely uh, hard to balance that uh, white and black pill, you know, it is. But we, we we've got a lot of really good liberty minded people doing a lot of good things and ultimately I'm white pilled. So and we'll we'll wrap this up here. You know, I won't keep it too long, sure. um, but what what do you think the the ultimate recipe? And, and of course, this is hard to uh, generalize across to everyone uh being an individualist but uh what what the ultimate recipe is for uh the liberty movement moving forward
1: I'll be honest I don't know I don't know what the ultimate recipe is I don't know what what assures us victory um a lot has to do with how our opponents respond you know how the government responds to what we're doing and so we're going to have to be adaptive i mean the 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 reason I'm optimistic is because we are a decentralized individualist based organization and they are a top down bureaucratic, slow moving organization. So we have that as our advantage, you know, guerrilla warfare type tactics, uh, but not violent, but you know, in terms of um, tactics is, is is the reason that we have an advantage at all. And we have to capitalize on that. You know, we have to use the, strengths that we have and and find ways to get our messaging out there to wake people up in a in a powerful and urgent fashion um and try and you know bolster our numbers while we still have the opportunity to speak to as many people as we do currently and i think if we do that there's a real chance that we can we can you know stem the tide of totalitarianism that we've been experiencing um but it's it's not it's not like a It's not a singular answer. Like we need, we need everybody pushing as aggressively as possible in their own way. Like I want people, if you think that, you know, uh, local activism is, is your best asset. That's what you're best at. That's what I want you to be doing. If you're the best at speaking to, you know, tens of thousands of people, that's what I want you to be doing. If you're the best at running for politics on a national level, that's what I want you to be doing. Like, I don't have any interest in telling people, you know, you should just be starting a podcast and screaming like I do, you know, like no. <laughs> like, I, if you're, if you're best at a local level, if you have stage fright, if you don't, if you don't have a way with words, whatever, like yeah. focus on what you're good at. And I think that that gives the, the same reason I believe in the free market, you know, that's it's yeah. the same. It's the same principle here. It's like, do what you're best at. And I think that'll give us the best chance of succeeding. Well, and said. Succeeding.
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, you know, there's definitely a couple of uh, weak points I think I see within the Liberty Movement, and that's uh, more culture-based things, more music, artwork, uh, books, poetry, Um, you know, there's movies, that sort of thing. And of course, that is slowly changing. And it's it's a lot to build up to when we're working against such a massive uh, culture system that's already built against us. Mm but but those are definitely you know some we need more freedom based artists. Uh, yes. I would love to see see more. Um, well,
1: and and there there are a handful out there. I mean, I'm a huge yeah. fan of Eric July and his work, his music. Um, and he's he's trying to get in the comic book realm. I think that the, these are things that a lot of people poo poo and they go, oh, that doesn't yeah. change anything. It's like it changes a lot, man. Like it changes it a lot when when people when young men in particular are able to find a comic book that is speaking to them and about the problems that they're experiencing and that, you know, and it does it in a non woke fashion. Um, I think that's powerful. I think that, 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 that allows us to still hold on to some of the true liberal ideas that we had in the nineties and early two thousands. And, um, ultimately like the culture war is what we've already lost terribly. Um, so this is our way of battling back. And, and fortunately, you know, the arc of history tends to swing and I think that it'll swing back in our direction. So we just have to try and guide it in a direction that is as beneficial to us as possible. But I completely agree with you. You know, if you're like, like I said, if you're best at being a musician, that should be your focus. You should be writing powerful liberty minded hymns, you know, like the stuff that fires people up that gets their, their juices flowing. Like that's, that's what I'm all about, man. And I think that, uh, that you're right. We don't have enough of it, but we do have some, and and uh, you know support those people. And if you have it in you to do that, then go do it, and like whatever it is, whatever you're best at, just
0: go. Yeah, I mean, just keep trying something. Keep throwing stuff at the wall until something sticks. Mm-hmm. You know?
1: Yeah, just I mean, go for I, it. who who would have known that uh, a mortgage broker screaming into a microphone would have appeal? <laughs> you know, like I, I didn't know that. Um, But I gave I gave it a shot and and people seem to enjoy it. And I got a quick following and now I'm able to tour the country and and talk to thousands of people in person like this is going to be an amazing experience. So um, I'm not some singular phenomenon like a lot of people could do this. So what I'm not saying you could actually do exactly what I did, but you can do some version of your own hero's journey. Um, so that's what I'd like to see people doing is pursue it, you know, pursue it with passion, pursue it with some level of desperation. Like this is what you need to see happen in the world and you're going to go make it. You're going to don't, don't wait, don't wait for people to go fucking fix all of your problems. Like that's what I did for too much of my life. And two years ago, I decided, or not even two years ago now, two years ago, uh, approximately I decided I am going to, I'm going to do something about the problems I see in the world. And Sure, a lot of people could say, "Oh, so you're talking to a microphone? It doesn't change anything." Bullshit. That's bullshit. Joe Rogan has changed the fucking world. Yeah, yeah. he has absolutely changed the world. Dave Smith is changing the world. And sure, I maybe I only get ten thousand listeners per episode or something. and You may say, "Oh, that's not enough to change the world." Well, those ten thousand people could could go on to be, you know, the Dave Smiths and the Ron Pauls of the world. Who knows what it creates? Um. So it's just about creating and, yeah. and you know, getting away from the destruction of the government.
0: Yeah, exactly. Promoting that uh, that peaceful lifestyle that we all deserve, that we're all entitled to. Well one of the few few things in this life that I truly believe that we are actually entitled to is a, an actual peaceful life.
1: Well so, we're entitled to it, but not without a fight. So let's that's let's true too.
0: You know. Well, that's true. So well let everyone know where they can find you
1: and everything. Sure. At Liberty Lock Pod on Twitter, Liberty Lockdown on Instagram. Uh, the show itself is on youtube you can just search liberty lockdown um it's on obviously odyssey and all the the alt platforms and if you want to check out the podcast it's uh on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify everywhere else just search liberty lockdown and please subscribe uh you know if you like it share it uh, i think that that's the key is like word of mouth is really how all of this has happened i've I've never done any any outside marketing i've just basically used my twitter account and my podcast and then my my own efforts going on to other shows to try and get people to know about me to know about what I'm about and um, I'm very grateful that so many people seem to to uh, vibe with what I'm about so if you feel me yeah. join me
0: yeah I I definitely get a kick out of your show like I said been been a fan for a long time so you know, awesome it's, man I, it's I really always appreciate great.
1: it Th- thank oh, you yeah. for the time Jacob
0: yeah, anytime. And uh, make sure and check out store for any merch. Got some pretty cool t-shirts over there. risetoliberty.com slash free speech for as long as the telegram lasts and uh, risetoliberty.com slash links for everywhere else you can find the show and uh, all the other goodies we have out on the internet. Well, it was definitely a, a blast having you on and uh, we'll definitely have you on again and uh, we'll see you in Reno.
1: Awesome, man. Support, support Jacob. Support Rise to Liberty podcast and rise to fucking liberty, folks. Let's go.
0: Yep. <laughs> Later, guys.